Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bet on Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. we got a fantastic Chicago Cubs episode coming at you in about 30 seconds. But first, got to talk about BetOnline.ag. And look, BetOnline, it's your number one source for all your betting needs. You can get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right on your phone. So what are you waiting for? Hop on that phone right now and sign up today. Get in on the action and use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That is only at BetOnline, where the game starts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for coming into the pod. We're talking Chicago Cubs baseball here in August, which means that something must be going right. So let's bring in a guest here that, honestly, um, I've been following him for a while. He does fantastic content for CHGO. And one of the highest compliments I could possibly pay him out of the six strangers of my life. I, he is one of the people that I comment on his posts on Twitter. It is Cody Del Mendo from CHGO. What's up, Cody? What's up, Joey? Hey, I appreciate the support for CHGO. We're, we're, we're technically a startup, but we're, we're growing, man. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's fun talking about the Cubs when they're good. Uh, it's fun to talk about the Cubs in a playoff race in august uh it's not something we've been able to do for the last handful of years so it's exciting time so I'm, I'm happy to do this this is exciting i don't have to talk about what are we selling or buying i don't have to talk about uh guys the, the you know, contract uh are we extending them or not at least for a, 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 a for two months but uh again exciting times yeah great ride when i mean chgo launches two marches ago um, yeah. the, the landscape in Chicago sports looked a little bit different. Now, you know, we're going to leave the White Sox to the side a second here, but you know, you got the bears, with Justin Fields, Connor Bedard with the Blackhawks. And now the Chicago Cubs team that has quite a contrast from last year. I mean, for a guy that's creating content on the daily this year to last year, I mean, the fun factor just has to be way up and let's be real. There's more to talk about, right? Instead of, I mean, was it getting kind of a grind last year? Just talking about the same old, same old shit over and over again. Oh yeah, for sure. Like as far as doing content for the Cubs in the last year and a half, I mean, 2022 was, oh man, you, you just had to find ways to have fun to talk about whatever's going on, especially after the deadline ended last year, you know, you had two months, I guess in a sense, the Cubs went 39 and 31 second half of last year. So you thought maybe they're taking some momentum into the off season it led them to getting Dansby Swanson and 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 Cody Bellinger and, and signing Jamison Tyone and you know a few other guys who uh, are no longer here. Um, but also you know some smaller moves too that have I guess in some form have contributed too. So um, I came into the season with some uh, definitely a little bit more optimistic expectations. Uh, I know a lot of people felt like this team was, you know, may it could be 500 at worst. I think, I think in 2022, people were like, oh, at best, that team is 500. And I think coming in this year, most people thought 500 at worst. And for a while, it looked like it was going to be worse than that. So uh, glad to see, uh, you know, the, I guess the projections kind of, you know, come back in their favor a little bit, but yeah, last year was it's in terms of being part of a, a start, basically being part of a new podcast that it was started covering the Cubs at a bad time. Um, 
to see how it's grown since then this year, especially uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch and be a part of. And, you know, we're just, you know, grinding every single day uh, during the week. And, you know, we ride the roller coaster of, of the baseball season. Uh, you know, last night they lost 11 to two. So after winning two or three against the Braves, you just get this big stinker. And honestly, I was kind of, I kind of felt like the letdown was coming, but that doesn't mean that I think that some massive losing streak is coming. It's just considering where the bullpen situation was and uh, you know, the travel and stuff like that. I, I, I wasn't necessarily surprised about the letdown last night, but either way, the riding the roller coaster of this team has, has been fun uh, for the most part this year, just because people care. And last year people didn't care. People cared about the trade deadline and then they started to care when the off season arrived. So it's it's been fun to watch people really get excited about the team, at least what it seems like for us uh, online and stuff. I know some people might not think a lot of people don't care about this team in particular, but I think it, it's it, it's at least growing because there's, there's definitely a lot of people who care, um, you know, whoever watches uh, or watches or listens to our podcast. Um, it's it, at least it seems our, our numbers are way up since the deadline ended and, um, you know, the Cubs basically not necessarily putting all their chips in, but, uh, you know, going for a playoff spot, which is yeah. exciting. Yeah, when great content meets competition, that's when those numbers start to rise. So good on you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you, man. Even when we were 10 games under and had a plus run differential, you're kind of scratching your head and you're saying, what exactly is going on there? And uh, I picked out something that you said there. I mean, I entered this year with a baseline of expectation. And that's something that honestly we kind of hadn't had in a couple of years. And still kind of, I don't know, mourning the loss of the team and the transition that was kind of going through there. I'm glad that they spent money in the offseason because I think it kind of just expedited that sort of awkward transition and a bit of that that lean a little bit. When you talk about small moves, um, Cody, you know, this is your first time here on Bet in Chicago. So you have to know that I only ask hard-hitting questions. And we <laughs> demand transparency and honesty at all times. So, Cody, yeah. Omendo. Where were you for the summer of Mike Talkman? <laughs> Where was I? I was in. Where were you, grade. sir? Where were I was, you? <laughs> I was. I was in the greatest city in America, Chicago, <laughs> uh, at beautiful historic Wrigley Field for at least thirteen of those games. At this point, uh, yeah, no, the summer. <laughs> the summer of Mike Talkman has been. Is there a cup snake that can verify this attendance? <laughs> yeah, uh, perhaps. Yeah, I have plenty of pictures that that prove it. Uh, <laughs> we'll but it yeah, but no, I. What turned into a bit, or what started as a bit, that's kind of turned into like. I don't, I, I guess it's still a bit, but just like, I, I, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it's, <laughs> it started as a bit because he came up whenever Cody Bellinger got hurt. That like the whole reason we even know who Mike Talkman is, is because Cody Bellinger got hurt. And, and you were like, Rafael Ortega? Up. No, it's not Rafael Ortega. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, guy. <laughs> and like, I guess I didn't put, I, I guess, I, I guess I just didn't give him enough respect. I knew I looked up his numbers when he got called up. It's like, okay, he had a cool 2019 with the Yankees. But other than that, it seems like he's been a bench guy, you know, journeyman. He's in his thirties. Oh, he's from Palatine. Cool. All right. So I know Marquis going to reference that at least a thousand times over the next three months. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, he, what's what's cool about how that that bit started was i i want to say I'd, I'd have to go back and look at my first mention of like that that tweet that i send all the time but 
I want I want to say that it might have started whenever he had that in un, insane catch in San Francisco and the Kyle Hendricks like almost no hitter or whatever. Um, I I want to say that's when the bit started, but I I'd have to go back and clarify it. That's that's honestly like one of my first like moments of him that I can like remember in which I was like, man, this guy, like, why wasn't he here when say Suzuki started the year, um, you know, on the injured list? Like why, why did they not start him uh, in right field at the beginning of the year, instead of going with miles master bony or, you know, whoever else they threw out there for two or three weeks, whatever it was like, I, He's he's been like I don't want to say he's been a savior, but he certainly has kind of he's kind of made the whole process of Say Suzuki struggles kind of you like they're they are alarming and they bother me because they the Cubs have him for three more years. But at least in the moment, it's like well, at least you have someone who's who's hitting and and playing good defense right now while he's struggling. I. He's he's been unreal. Like I I never would have thought. So like the bit, like it started as a bit because I was just like, oh, like this this will probably last for like a month maybe. Whenever Bellinger comes back and he probably goes back to Iowa. Well, he's like literally been a part of like this the the you know the the stretch run of not to like make sure this team doesn't sell at the deadline, and it's just been fun to watch. Like he threw out Acuna at home on Sunday in that, that last game against the Braves. He's, he makes unreal catches like the one that I referenced in San Francisco, the one in St. Louis to that literally saved the game. And then on top of that, he's, he's gotten big hits and big moments. Uh, he hits to all fields. Like <laughs> where was the, where, where was this guy for like, all these years when the Cubs needed a guy like him and he's on top of it, he's just been doing it in the leadoff spot too. And like, obviously like, you know, coming into the year, people were optimistic about Nico being a, a leadoff hitter. And I, I think he's fine, but Talkman's definitely better. At least he walks a little bit more. He, and you know, I just, I love his play approach. He knows the strike zone. Well, like the summer of Mike Talkman, I don't understand how it got to this point, but what was once a bit, is it's literally like I feel like it's a, it's a culture now. Like I like people <laughs> love this guy. People want to root for this guy, and they want to see him succeed because one, because he's from the area, and two, because like he's legitimately been a part of so many huge wins for this team, so many huge wins. So I'm just riding the wave with him now. Like I I hope he keeps it going because he's so fun to cheer for and watch. And like you know I love being able to send the tweet and everyone gets excited about it because like. It, it's because he did something because great. Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it <laughs> yes, rolling, right? I mean, yes, the dude's barreling yes. up the baseball right now, as you said. Like he's literally stealing ball games. He has right. more RBIs than Seiya, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And Cody, to think that at the beginning of the season, if you told me that Christopher Morel and Mike Tockman would combine for what I think twenty-three home runs right now and about a hundred RBIs, and they're not even on the opening day roster, I mean, these are like the reinforcements. It starts to create a little bit of the mojo. I was trying to think of a guy like I was trying to think of a season or a Cubs player that's done what Mike Tockman's done to this point. And I was trying to think, and I was like, Brant Brown. I you know the Brant Brown era didn't end yeah. the way we wanted to, but I mean, this is yeah. really special stuff, and it's like got this weird, like almost like a Zobrit, Zobrist esque little mm. vibe to it. And, and Cody, it's crazy because if if 
and when, hopefully, the Cubs do get a chance to maybe play in October and play in a playoff game, if Talkman isn't in the lineup, is that block A of your next show of, like, why isn't he in the lineup? I mean, is this, like, Ted Lilly 09? Like, the dude's got to be in there almost every day because it seems like that's what that's how we score runs. Yeah, and I, I, I've been frustrated in recent games because the Cubs have faced a few lefties, what they faced Max Freed on Friday and I think on – Maybe it was the game after they faced two lefties within the last five games. And Talkman has been sitting in those games. And I like, listen, I know that they want to try and get say Suzuki summit bats still, even though they they've clearly cut off his like full-time playing time. Like it's very clear of that. Right. I mean, real quick, Cody, that at bat last night, he, the dude's lost, right? I mean, yeah, it's tough. He is. It's just tough. You, it's not, yeah. he's trying and he's, he's lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I feel bad for him, and I am still a believer. I don't know if the oblique injury is something that's still, like, there. I I don't know. I really don't know. But, yeah, he does look lost up there, right? Um, But what I was getting at is Talkman, yeah, he has – to me, he has to be in the lineup every day until, until, like, he hits a slump or something like that. Like, even on days where he doesn't get you multiple hits, he's still giving you quality at bats, working pitch counts uh you know walking and on top of it it's not like his defense in right field has been a massive downgrade from say Suzuki so to me the only way that you are not playing Mike Tuckman is if the 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 matchup has to be exactly right for say Suzuki for me to say that he that he can get in there and it obviously would be against the lefty and it would have, it would have to be someone that he has success off of or something like that. Like that, that's where I'm at with it basically. And I feel bad because again, I am a say a believer, but yeah, Mike Talkman's just played so well. He's been a lightning rod for this team. He he's helped them win so many games, like I've said. And to me, yeah, he's, he's got to be in there every day. And, you know, I, I understand like, you mentioned the roster stuff, right? With Talkman and Christopher Morrell, both how they didn't end up on how they weren't on the roster opening day. It blows my mind. From I know it's in hindsight, and I know it sounds meatballish of me to say, but how in the world did this organization think that one of those two at least didn't belong on the opening day roster? It blows my mind. I and I they know more than me. They're seeing those guys in spring training and all that, seeing their performance, all this. They're seeing what they want to see, but man, you telling me they don't win more games in April if they had Morrell or Tachman in the in the in the lineup, right? Like they went with Eric Hosmer and you know Miles Mastroboni, who as another bit I like have fully supported just because everyone hates him, but like I I obviously know that he is not as good as Christopher Morrell or Mike Talkman, like, and they put Miles Masterboni in right field multiple times in that month of April. Like, it, it just, it, in hindsight, it makes me wonder what the organization was thinking. It also makes me question, like, some of this, this the, the internal roster decisions. I've had more questions about the internal roster decisions this year than you know, criticizing, you know, Trey Mancini not being good and like that contract that, you know, okay, they, they're they eating 14 million. The idea of them thinking that Eric Hosmer would turn it around because he's wearing Cubs pinstripes or, uh, you know, even the bad times with 
Jamison Tyone or, you know, the current bad stretch for Drew Smiley. I will, I would, I've questioned the internal roster decisions more so than those things that you look back in hindsight, because it's like Christopher Morrell. Yeah. We coming into the year thinking, Oh, well, he struck out way too much at the end of last year. He struggled the last two months of the year and the, and you don't know what you're going to get out of him. His spring training, I guess he's still striking out way too much to their liking, but how like he literally went to Iowa and hit 11 homers. And also with, again, when you're starting the year with say Suzuki on the injured list and you already don't have a ton of power on the roster. I mean, what, what are we doing? I get for maybe a week or two, whatever, but like the way that things play out, it just makes you wonder like, why do they wait so long? And it's kind of like, even in the situation now, like to me, Jordan Wicks would have got called up weeks ago. And I don't know if he would have been a starter or really, I, I would assume a reliever. Same thing with, um, you know, some of these other relievers that are in Iowa, like Bailey Horn. They need a left-handed reliever. He's a left-handed reliever that they traded Ryan to pair for. They like the guy clearly. But now you're in August, these games really matter. And it's like, do I want the Cubs to call up some of those guys in Iowa who are rookies and see if they catch lightning in a bottle with them? Like, maybe, but also you're putting a lot of risk out there. And it's just like, they are waiting too long. Some It feels like with some of these guys, they waited too long with Morrell. They probably could have won a, one or two, at least more games in April if he was here. You, I, Again, I know in hindsight, with the Talkman thing too, if it wasn't Morrell, what, how in the world... Based off what we have seen already from Mike Talkman, how in the world do you go with Miles Masterboni to play right field like opening weekend against the Brewers and just like for that entire basically be on the roster that entire stretch? How do you go with him over Mike Talkman? Like it's like, what are like what are they seeing? And so it it's things like that. And like they've they've done that with you know the bullpen and stuff too. And you know, they managed to get the bullpen right, and like I'm happy about that, but um Fulmer at, the be Fulmer at the beginning of the year is the, kind of in the same yeah. subcategory that you're talking I, about yeah again I understand that everything I'm saying is like in hindsight and it sounds meatballish or whatever but again it's not my job to like be right about that shit it's their job to be right about that shit you know and like I think there's multiple times this year where the fans were actually right the fans wanted Morell on the opening day roster he should have been on the opening day roster based off what we've seen. He's like the, like he has the second or third highest OPS on the team. Yeah. I, I, so to me, it's like, how did, how in the world did they wait till May like eighth or ninth for them to call him up? It was like kind of the same thing with Mervis too. I know Mervis struggled here, but I never really thought he deserved to be sent down. The only reason that it hasn't like loomed large is because they played Bellinger at first base. And that was the whole reason that they, you know, demoted him because they're like, we're going to play Bellinger at first until his knee is fine. Then they can put him back in center. Then they go get Candelario. It's saying, it seems like Murph is probably going to spend the rest of the year in Iowa and that's fine. But at the time it was like, you're, you're, you're removing your, your power lefty bat and you already have enough problems with power. You're one of the bottom, bottom 15 teams in baseball and, and with, and home runs and stuff like that. And it's just like, like, what are we doing sometimes? And again, the team's playing better right now, and they've been hitting a lot more home runs of late, and they've taken advantage of the soft schedule and all of that. But, like, I still continue to look back at some of these roster decisions, and if they don't make the playoffs at the end of the year, you can look back at five, 
10 different games probably where you're like, man, if, and you look at those lines and you're like, man, if we didn't play Miles Masturboni, Madrigal, and Barnhart in the same lineup, maybe, just maybe things go differently in that game. Like, yeah, I'm I'm sure you've seen lineups get put out and you're like, what is this? Is this serious? Like, are we trying to win? Those are the text threads that I'm having with my friends is on the daily lineups, especially those first two months. And man, it's a couple, it's a couple of factors, right? Like, look, like I don't have, I don't have the the gift of all the analytics in front of me that they that they pour over that makes them think that the boner is the guy to use in the right field on a daily yeah. basis. But I, I think a couple of things happen, right? I think one, I think Jed in the offseason said, look, we got to bring this baby back up to baseline and we got to do it quick. So they yeah. went to Costco and they bought in bulk in veteran, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's kind of what they did. They did Trey and Eric Hosmer. They literally like doubled up on a position because they were worried, you know, about a Frank Schwindel type of situation. They walk into the year, the first 15 games kind of look good. So all yeah. of a sudden it creates this weird leash. You know what I mean? With this team that maybe necessarily maybe could have pivoted and moved early. And I personally think that this team surprised even the organization itself with a lot of these guys. I mean, when we talk about the Talkmans and the Morels on this team right now, I don't think Jed really had them penciled into the roster earlier. And they played their way yeah. onto this team. And it's been really interesting, even when you look at Dansby Swanson, right? We all thought he was the fourth shortstop that they took in the market. They never really went top Mm -hmm. shelf all year long. So this season has been a big thing of ifs, and it's been so beautiful, in my opinion, because the ifs, like if only, if only is kind of worked out in so many different scenarios. So my question for you is, go back to preseason. Let's stay there for a second, Cody. I'm sure you had a lot of ifs. What yep. is your favorite if that has worked out that has delighted you the most so far about this Cubs team? What's one of your preseason predictions that's like, <laughs> it's totally worked out and I'm I'm tickled by it? If Cody Bellinger gets back to anything close to MVP form, of course. Like, obviously, that's the biggest uh, if wait, 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 cav- caveat really quick. Uh, if, if he gets back, then we just trade him in June. That was the preseason uh, thing. And now it's yeah. like, baby, baby, what's he hitting 332 now? Yeah, he's in like 330 now. Like Good guy. to me, he's an automatic like must bring back, must resign. Uh, cause he plays gold glove defense, not just in center field, but at first base too, in my opinion. And you know, he could probably do that in left and right field too, just based off the kind of athlete he is. Um he's he's his strikeout rate is significantly lower compared to his like final years with the Dodgers on top of hitting, you know, I, I wish that we would have got to see him not be hurt for that entire month because then the numbers would be even better. Probably sure. Before he got hurt, he did kind of, he, he did kind of go through like a two week slump in May, but like the entire team was slumping in May. Like May was a month that I wish I never had to watch, but, um, he just brings something to the table every day. He has he makes an impact whether it's on defense, uh, hitting, on the bases. He has like seventeen or eighteen stolen bases this year. Uh, he he's been everything that we could have hoped for, and he's setting himself up to make a lot of money. And I know he's a Scott Boris guy, but to me, like the Chicago Cubs, it, it we are the freaking Chicago Cubs. They, it's a fit. They it's a fit. They they need to just find a way to keep him around. And the thing is, is like I don't, I don't think they're that he's going to command over two hundred million dollars. I think he's a five or six years, one seventy, one eighty, somewhere in that range. 
And the Cubs have given out contracts like that before. And again, like I know PCA is coming, but you, what, what if this team is, is like, what if they're like, we got to move on from Saya? Like, even though he has the no trade clause, like what, what if like, you know what I mean? Like then you can play him in right field or, you know, first base is still there. I think he's just a player that you just, you don't, you don't care about the prospect you're blocking or whoever is already there. He is the superstar player that the Cubs have needed. Like on CSU Cubs in the spring, we we all sat there and said that this team will be in it in September, August, September, if Cody Bellinger is something. If he is, if he is, you know, not necessarily MVP form, but just even like just really good. Like if he is setting himself up to get paid a lot of money, then this team is in it in August. And here we are. And like they they somehow managed to tread water while he was out for that month. The, it was there was tough times for sure when he was out, but ever since he's came back, he's only just he's just been the hot one of the hottest hitters in baseball. His July was insane, and he's only kept it up here to start August. To me, I know it's like in the moment, and I've only seen him play good right now. But like even even in April, he was great. Um, so to me, he's the biggest what if. Um, I guess the second what if is like. I probably like something related to Swanson. Like, yeah, everyone thought he was the consolation prize and he's turned out to be the best shortstop, you know, based off advanced analytics, at least that that's out there, you know, as the highest war of the other three, uh, he's the best defensive shortstop in baseball. He, his, he has the, what his on-base percentage is like the highest of his career or near the highest of his career right now. Like he's, I, I expected him to be very good. Um, I didn't know how much he was going to impact on this team, but I think you could see it whenever he was out for like those two weeks, like after the brewer, like that brewer series um, before the all-star break when he got hurt. And then whenever the, they came back from the all-star break, they lost the series against the Red Sox. But when he came back after that, you could tell, you could see everything that the Cubs missed without him out there. And I think a lot of people kind of took him for granted just because the team wasn't winning for the, the, you know, that, you know, that, that May and June and, you know, the, the, the hot and cold stretches that they would go on and people would just wonder like, what is this guy? But uh, as far as value, he's been everything that the Cubs could have asked for. And like, I, I was someone who wanted Correa and, I like pounded, pounded the table. We need Correa. We need Correa in the off season. And like, listen again, I'm not the one who's supposed to be right about that. The front offices. So I give <laughs> as much as I have criticized Jed when it comes to these internal roster decisions. I, uh, I will give him all the credit for getting it right with Dancy Swanson. Yes. They still have six more years after this to see if like, he's still playing well. I I'd expect him to be, you know, just fine for at least in the first half of his contract based off how he's played to start his career with the Cubs. But um, all I know is that I'm glad that the Cubs didn't give all the money to Correa based off how his free agency went and how his season has gone. Trey Turner is having one of the, like his worst season of his career and, you know, Bogarts has been okay, but um, you see how the Padres are playing with him. Uh, They've been one of the more disappointing teams in baseball. 
the Cubs weren't expected to do anything this year, and he's been a big part of it, whether people want to believe it or not. And I think the defense is the biggest thing. Like the the up the middle defense that him and Nico Horner have given the Cubs this year has been not only fun to watch, but it has been everything that the Cubs said it would be. And I'll give them credit for that too. Yeah, I think that was one of my biggest ifs of like we were looking at this defense and, and getting excited about it. And there was moments when I'd be excited in the winter, and then there would be moments where it would be like, like, calm the fuck down. This is just defense we're talking about. But, man, yeah, it, it's really kind of helped us pick a couple of games here and there. I mean, obvious highlights aside, but, man, just getting a couple of double plays right when you need it. I mean, Ian Happ's been fantastic in left field again this season. The rotation at third base has worked out pretty well. And <laughs> and uh, and honestly, it's been it's been really um, it's been really quite a pleasant surprise. I mean, my favorite part about Cody Bellinger is that the dude I knew that the dude had a really violent, beautiful swing out here in L.A., but he's got also this ability to break it down a little bit and get to the bottom of the zone and pick up hits maybe when he wouldn't see it. And that kind of leads to, oh, yeah, that's why the dude was hitting 400 for the Dodgers for the first, what, two or three months of the season when he won that MVP that one year. Um, so that's yeah. been really impressive. I uh, got a couple more here for CHGO's Cody Del Mendo here on Bet on Chicago. Um, you know, we're about 110 games in. We're fighting for a playoff spot here. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about David Ross with you just really quickly. Um, yeah. I just, I, I, maybe I just want to keep it open to be honest with you, because he's, he feels like a guy who he won the division in 2020. Grandpa Rossi is back the last couple of years. It's just been kind of hard to, to gauge and grade his mm -hmm. job as a manager. He really hasn't had a particular moment or something that we can pinpoint and say, you know, this is Rossi's blueprint on the team. Um, I thought the beginning of the year was a little rough, but man, during this stretch, the last couple of weeks, I mean, are we. Are we giving enough credit to David Ross for the success of the Cubs right now as we should, or is it still just all in the players? Yeah, I mean, what is it everyone says uh, or what people say? When the team's losing, it's always the manager's fault, and when the team is winning, the manager doesn't get enough credit. I mean, mm -hmm. I've always been someone who thinks the manager, as long as they make good bullpen decisions consistently and um, you know gets the players up to play, for them every single day, no matter if it's April or October, whatever, like no matter the scenario, no matter the, you know, whoever they're playing, never getting too high, too low in certain situations uh, in terms of opponents and stuff like that. Like as long as you're getting players up to play for, for you every single day, to me, that's what I want in the manager. I think he is a, he's a, the, the, a big motivational guy that in, in that clubhouse, I think he's, He's kept them very level-headed, but also like believing in themselves to, you know, get to this point. Um, you know, when they were playing bad in, in, in May and, you know, parts of June and July before the all-star break, like, sure. Yeah. There were some like managerial decisions that you can like, you look back in hindsight and you you scratch your head, like what? Like there's a couple games where he, tr he had, there's one game where he had uh, Patrick wisdom square up to bunt like late in the game, it led to a loss. He did the same thing with Eric Hosmer uh, before he was DFA'd. Um, you know, there, he's definitely had some like head scratching moments, but also like he got the team. I think he was this the 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 kickstart outside of just Cody Bellinger playing like completely unreal. I think he is someone who like when they went into the second half of the year after the All Star break, he. He said, like he said in that clubhouse, he had to have said something along the lines of like, all right, guys, this is this is it. Like we we got to start winning ball games now. 
and uh, it helps to have better talent than last year. And, you know, obviously with the deadline of 2021, like we knew that, 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 you know, we knew honestly going into 2021, whether I wanted to believe it or not, we knew that that team or that season was either going to be done and at the end of July or, you know, maybe they're winning and they decide to roll with all those guys and then go in the off season and see what happens. But um, I, I, it's hard to grade him on those two seasons, just based off like the front office, just shredding the team. Right. Yeah. Um, so this year I would give him for me at this point here on August 8th, my grade for him is probably like a B minus. If, if you ask me to grade him, I think he's had good moments. I think he's gotten the team to play well at a time that they absolutely needed him to needed them to play well. He's kept them engaged. This team could have totally fallen apart after so many different like moments of the season could have fallen off after they got swept by the reds uh, at home. I think in June, they could have completely fallen off after getting swept by the angels. Um, That was, I think that was also in June and you know, they it's every time like you felt like the low point was there, the team responded. Well, they got swept by the Angels. What's he do? He puts Mike Tockman in the leadoff role and they start playing well. They win 11 to 13 going into London. That's the uh, first day of summer, right? Uh, is that correct? Yeah, is that basically, te- technically the first day of summer? Ba- basically, <laughs> the first day of the summer of Mike Tockman was in San Francisco. Uh, never forget. Um, so to me, he has got this roster of players to play way better than any of us expected it. Obviously the players deserve a lot of credit, but we've seen other teams just completely fall apart. Like let's use the diamondbacks. For example, they overperformed mm. in the first half of the year. I love their manager, but they have a bunch of rookie players. They don't have a lot of veterans there. Uh, you know, they, they've come back down to earth. They're all on the outside looking in now after going to the all-star break as, as in playoff position, right? Same thing with the Marlins, very young team, uh, great pitching. Do they have enough, enough offense? You don't know. The Reds, I just think what, that, you know, what's happening. With yeah. The, even the, know, did we, did we break the Reds last week? Yeah. Right. Like even the Reds like in the Reds, you know, no one thought that they'd be in the race, but you know, all their rookies have kind of just been lit under a fire and have carried them offensively. At least they just don't have the pitching. And the fact that they didn't get anything at the deadline for starting pitching, at least was uh, kind of hilarious if you think about it, but uh, I don't know. Like I, I, I look at the roster that no one really had a lot of belief in. And I feel like David Ross just kind of took what, what he was given and has done the best you could possibly do with the roster he was given Again, I think that there are some things to criticize. I criticized the lineups earlier. The like even the one uh, on Friday, the first game against the Braves, coming off winning three or four against the Reds. You sit Nico on Friday and you play Wisdom and someone else in there. And like I understand, you got to get Nico an off day at some point. He hadn't had any off days like all season outside of just being on the injured list. But like it's the first game of a series against the best team in baseball, and you're trying to win games like. Was that the perfect time to do it? I don't know. I don't know when there is a perfect time to give Nico Horner an off day with the way this roster is. It's almost like he has to play every day. Right. So I, it's hard to criticize him for it, but at the same time, it's like the timing could have been better. I don't know. Um, and, and there's been times where, you know, 
when Trey Mancini was on the roster, you know, he put him in the lineup, even though he just hasn't been doing it, even against lefties, he hasn't been performing. It was like, he just gives, he'd given a lot, a lot of leash for a lot of different dudes. And so that's my biggest complaint about the roster or the, the lineups is that he had a long, long leash for a lot of dudes who just never performed. And it almost in a way feels like maybe the Cubs DFA'd Mancini just so Ross would stop playing him. <laughs> Take him away. I don't, right, away. I get, that's about his meatball. He comes in the I clubhouse and he's like, hey, guys, where's Trey? Trey? Yeah. Yeah. Trey? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, he's gone, again, David. To me, like his lineup decisions have been probably the biggest thing that have annoyed me the most, but I do think he's made good bullpen decisions. I know the Fulmer thing didn't work out, but they went into the year believing that he could be a back-end bullpen guy. Fulmer's gotten it together now. Like I said at the beginning of the year that like the bullpen was something I wasn't going to worry about. And then I did for a good month because it was so bad in May, but they've gotten it back to like how they have pieced it together the last handful of years. Julian Merriweather has been a great addition. Lighter junior. They, they literally DFA'd him and then picked him back up. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, Alzelay has been great in the closer role. I, I guess if there's any, you know, question, is like, why did it take so long for them to just put Alzelay in that closer role, especially after Fulmer struggled to start the year? It took them, it still took them like two months to just be like, okay, we're going to let Alzelay close, right? Uh, you know, at the same time, not all of their fault. Keegan Thompson, probably the biggest disappointment pitching wise for the Cubs this year. So, like, when it comes to the, the pit, the bullpen decisions, you know, there have been some, there have been some good, there have been some bad, but I think overall they've been good. And I like, I, I feel better about David Ross's bullpen decisions than I ever did with Joe Madden's bullpen decisions. I feel like he doesn't overuse someone. When I think about Joe Madden's bullpen decisions, I just think about how he overused Steve Shisek way too much in 2018 <laughs> and 2019. Um, so, so by the time he got to San Diego in September, he was yeah, toast. I went so to those games, toast. dude. Jesus. Yeah. So like, yeah, again, I, I, I guess I'm repeating myself now a little bit, but I think he's 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 definitely earned a little bit more leash with me. I understand fans thoughts like a lot of people are already out on him. But again, I just I don't think managers have play too much into wins and losses at the end of the day. That's just how I feel. And I think a lot of people don't don't believe in that. And whatever, like, I'm not going to sit here and try and change your mind. That's just how I feel. I think at the end of the day, it comes down to players. But the manager, if he can make solid bullpen decisions that at least have some sort of like understanding to it and you get guys to, you know, you don't you have a a solid clubhouse that doesn't have like the toxic culture that you might say the White Sox have right now, for example, then you then I feel like you're you're doing a good job as the manager. You're doing all right. Just look over. Look over to the other side of town. No, look, I, I. the thing about it is, um, and I, I completely agree with you, right? I think that the understated thing that Cubs fans maybe don't realize is that this is a group, this is a group effort, and he's just the one that has to sign the card, you know what I mean, yeah. and send it to the umpire to start the game. I mean, and whether it's coming from the organization or whatever, we can debate that, or maybe we don't even know the answer. But I just think that it's a time to, I think it's very easy for Cubs fans to. Uh, find the criticisms, right? Like gave Tucker Barnhart a really long run, you know, early on mm-hmm. in the season. He just recently like woke up in the middle of the night and said, hmm, Bellinger and Dansby 3-4. Eh, let's try it. You know what I mean? So 
I also think, though, that what he's done with the Drew Smiley situation, some of these openers have actually worked out for him. Thankfully, the offense has also been good, too, as well. That I just think this is the type of run where if we're looking for things to be positive about David Ross, I think the opportunity is in front of him now these next, next couple of months. And I'm not saying define a legacy, but we really don't have a lot to go on with David Ross other than Grandpa Rossi World Series winner. And I yeah. think for as a manager, I just think this is kind of a little bit of that that moment for him. And mm-hmm. um, and obviously the players, it comes down to the players um, in general, but I'm just really interested to see, which kind of leads me to my final question for you, Cody. Um, you have just gotten a phone call. You're getting buzzed up to the Chicago Cubs caution conference concern room. Um, I'm sitting you down and I'm putting like five portfolios in front of you right now. And I want to talk to you about options of how we're going to handle the starting rotation. Um, a, a, a group that has carried us um, all year long. And to be honest with you, I think it's been kind of it's fallen on hard times and has been masked by a fantastic offense that honestly is the best, not just in the National League, but maybe in all baseball the last two or three weeks or since yeah. the All-Star break. Uh, maybe we'll just kind of start here. You know, what is what is your concern level? There's plenty of time. Um, right. But I mean, if we're hanging our hat on anybody right now, it's Justin Steele. And then, <laughs> uh, well, I'd say my biggest concern right now with the starting rotation is if Stroman can get it together when he comes back, I would say that's the biggest thing. Like Justin Steele, even in recent starts, he look he looks a little fatigued. I mean, he's mm-hmm. hit like his career high in innings, I believe after his last start against the Braves and listen, the Braves, he, it was a gutsy performance against the Braves because that lineup is unreal. Um, but he did he, – he gutted one out against St. Louis uh, when they needed it. Um, he just shows up and, and gives you quality innings every fifth day um, for the most part. Now, Stroman, he was great, you I mean, for the first three months of the year, right? Um, I think it's just – it's been bad since uh, – been bad since London, since the start in London. Trey Mancini broke Marcus Stroman, people are saying um uh yeah people me, are saying <laughs> people are saying to me if they if he comes back off the injured list and he you know gives them however many starts that it would be from from that moment to the end of the year and and is back to just being who he is for his career which is a guy with a three a sub three five earn run average gets a lot of ground balls soft contact will occasionally have a game where he strikes out eight, nine guys. If he gets back to that, then I think the Cubs rotation will be fine. And then I'm not going to worry about Kyle Hendricks. Kyle Hendricks, since the all-star break, has had three quality starts out of the five that he's had. People are down on him right now because he just gave up eight runs to the Braves the other day. But who but doesn't? doesn't? Who does? That's a bad right. matchup, dude. That's a bad matchup yeah. for Kyle Hendricks, right? I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he was perfect for three of the four innings. Uh, it just... The thing about Kyle Hendricks and why people are either high or low on him is that it's not like he's a strikeout pitcher. He's he's a pitch-to-contact guy. And when he makes mistakes, people do not miss them, and they hit the ball far when he makes those mistakes. But when he is on, dude, he he makes pitching look fun because it's like, how is this guy throwing 89 and getting all these guys out, right? Like, he's pitched in big games for the Cubs – I know that was in like 2016, so it's been seven years, whatever. But he's pitching big games. He's got a ton of experience. I'm not worried about it, especially with what we've seen. And I came into the year like down on because he didn't pitch for a year. 
And I was just hoping any, if he can be your five starter or something like that, then I'll be fine. And that's basically what he has been. He's had a lot of really good starts. He almost threw a no hitter in San Francisco. He's, he's had bad starts too, but like that, that is what he is at this point in his career. I'm fine with that. Jamison Tyone has been, he's been fine, honestly, since his incredible start against the Yankees before the all-star break. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping he keeps it rolling tonight. He pitches tonight against the Mets. Um, his thing to me is keeping the ball in the park and he's been very bad against lefties this year. Right. But I do think, again, he's been very solid. Uh, his last start was a roller coaster, but he managed to keep that Reds offense to two runs. I will give him credit considering that Reds offense is very good. So to me, he, you know, he's been pitching like the guy they paid and they just need him to continue that. So to me, it's those four guys. Drew Smiley, I a lot of people want this guy out of here, all this stuff right now. And like, I don't blame him. He hasn't been good since basically since June. But he also was kind of like what negated all the bad from Tyone in those first two months, right? Like Tyone was yeah. bad in April and May, but Smiley was great in April and May. So you were getting great starts out of Stroman, Steele, and Smiley those first two months. You know, he really, in a way, kind of saved – the potential downfall of this team if you really think about it i don't think the casual fan would think about it that way but that's how i look at it i think drew smiley this year okay after last night's start he's his era just went over five i think he will get back to being a four and a half era guy that he's been most of his career he is not a guy that you're going to throw out there in a playoff game unless it's out of the bullpen like he did for the braves in 2021 he's not a guy that is going to consistently when you when they do start him. It's not a guy that you're hoping that can go six. You're hoping he goes five and gives up three or less. And that was my expectation for him coming into the year. Just give me five innings consistently, three earned or less. He's a number four, number five starter. That's what he's been his entire career. To me, at this point, considering how things have been, we kind of talked about this on last night's CHO Cubs podcast. To me, they need to do like the piggyback role with him, or Javier Assad or Hayden Wisniewski. And I say that because a lot of people would probably, a lot of people right now probably want Assad or Wisniewski to be the starter. Now, if you force me to choose someone other than Smiley to be like in the starting rotation, I'd pick Assad because he's done it. And he actually did an okay job against the Braves on Saturday. I was actually like really impressed with what he did. Obviously he had great defense behind him and that helped. But to me, Hayden Wisniewski, he had his ups and downs as a starter. And, you know, that's basically what you're risking if you put him back in the rotation. And, like, that's what it is with Drew Smiley. That's what it's been with Drew Smiley. It's been up and down. Like, you don't exactly know what you're going to get. But he's been great in the bullpen. And so, I, to me, it's like, don't, don't change what's working for a guy, especially a young pitcher. So I'm thinking if they can get Smiley to give – be able to go three, maybe four innings. Yeah, like one turn. I think it's all it's all one turn in a rotation now, right? Like, I mean, yeah. excuse me, one turn in a lineup. Like, get right. through the lineup once, and then mm -hmm. exposing them to the lineup a second time. You might have to mix and match. We've seen Caleb Killian. Um, yeah. Is there another guy? Obviously, September call-ups is a time when you expand rosters, but is there a rabbit-in-the-hat pitcher that you think could possibly – um emerge and help out this situation because that's that's the thing is i'm with you on the four guys and when you get into a playoff series i think we'll be okay but you know 
I, I'm just trying not to fool myself where when I started the year, I was saying, man, uh, my fear with this Cubs team, honestly, was is this team going to be a three-run home run short like in the eighth inning when we really need that big pop? Are we going to get it, and are we going to be short? And, man, we're going to be playing some two-to-one games at some point. Yeah. And and I'm just saying every every game's going to count, right? So this fifth starter thing isn't just going to be mix and match and, and Band-Aid. I mean, they have to sort of come up with a, a plan here. And I do like what you're saying with a version of Assad, Wisniewski, Smiley, some sort of combo to get you to six, seven, to get you to the lighter, you know, the lighter situation. But is there another guy? Maybe is there any rabbit in hat? I know you said Jordan Wicks, but yeah, they're not going to bring I mean, Ben Brown up. He's not, that's not a thing. Like I've heard, I've seen that already. I don't think that's going to happen. Right. I think if Ben Brown comes up, it would be out of the bullpen. I, hmm. I think I, I, he, to me, I think he's on the minor league injured list right now because of his innings. I don't think he's actually hurt again. That, I cannot confirm that, but um, I think he could potentially be a bullpen guy, and you know, whenever they decide to make that a, a thing, Wicks is a guy that I think when he does get the call eventually, he will be inserted right into the rotation. Do I think that they should be inserting this guy in the rotation in August or September uh, in a playoff race? I don't necessarily like it, but I'd get up for it because I'm high on the guy. I think a lot of people are high on the guy. He was the first round pick in 2021, like. I'd love to see what happens, but you're putting a lot of pressure on a rookie pitcher that, you know, hasn't, doesn't have major league experience. So if they're willing to do that, then that means that they have a lot of confidence in them. And, you know, there'd be a cool story to tell if, if, it, if it happens and it works out. But as far as like what we know, what we see, I, I do think like the best route right now, based off just experience and considering the situation I think you got to keep rolling Smiley out there and, and maybe do like try and roll with like a like the piggyback roll that they used to do with like uh, Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson or something like that. Or again, if you are going to move Smiley to the bullpen, then I think Assad would be the guy just because he's had more success as a starter this year uh, than Wesneski. And I, I for Wesneski, I is high. I am so high on him. Like I don't want them. I don't want him to you know go back into a you know I don't want things to go downhill for him and, and kind of ruin that confidence that he's built up since coming back from Iowa, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's a tough situation. It makes you wonder why didn't this team go get a starter at the deadline? Well, it's like, well, this team, they're just trying to make the playoffs. They're not going all in. Uh, and, and to me, it was like, they, they, that may, that means that they were going to maybe go within and may with a starter. So maybe, maybe Wicks is the guy that they might give a chance to. I I, I don't know. It's a to me at the end of the day, though, what matters most is like they got to get Stroman right when Stroman comes back off the injured list. If if he can get back to just what he was as for his career, then the Cubs will be fine in the rotation. And is that uh, like a hard, like a tough ask? I, I do not think so. I, I don't know if Stroman is hurt. I don't know if like the hip is a thing. <laughs> I hope it is that way. It at least explains why he went from being in the Cy Young race to like, what the fuck are we watching? But yeah, man, like to me, he's the most important thing now with what they have. And, uh, you know, you just got to hope that Steele keeps, keeps it rolling, you know, five, six inning starts out there for him. And like the Cubs des desperately need Tyone and, and, and Hendricks to just be, be fine. Give them five, six innings, every start the rest of the way. And, be able to 
you know, use some of these other guys. I think Jose Quas is a guy that I think might earn more high leverage uh, spots after the inning he had against the Braves on Sunday. You know, I'm intrigued to see how they use Killian. I assume that they will use Kill- Killian in like low leverage spots to start. Like, like he, they did yesterday, he came in in a seven to two game. Um, I think he would have pitched more innings if he didn't come in and then a rain delay happened. Uh, but if he can come in, pitch pitch well in these low leverage situations, maybe that'll earn him a chance to pitch him some high leverage out of the bullpen, which I think could be could be interesting. He throws hard, you know. He touches, you know, ninety seven, ninety eight, ninety nine. Like the Cubs with don't sink. have a ton of guys. Got some, like, got yeah, some good sink. sink. Get, I mean, gets ground balls. I mean, he, right. He came in yesterday um, with the bases loaded, no outs. Got a double play and then got a ground out to end the inning. Again, it was seven to two. The the situation was not nearly that hard. I mean, coming in in that situation, no matter what, whether you're down up by five or down by five, is is I mean, it's not as hard as if it's a one or two run game, but uh, you know, I I took it as okay. He's seen some some good good success. Now he got to just build off it because I I am a still kind of a believer that he can at least be something. You see, I I was at his major league debut. He 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 has the stuff. It's just can he control it? His biggest thing has been command in his major league debut or in his major league career. So. I think there's still a lot of uh, of hope for him, and they if they can get some contributions out of him and and Jose Quas to go with um, Merriweather, Lighter, um, and, and Azale, that'll be huge for the bullpen and be able to extend, you know, some a little bit. I but to me, like when it comes to rotations, uh, Strowman's the guy. They just, they just got to get him right. They absolutely have to get him right. He's getting paid to be one of your top two starters in the rotation. They got to get him right. And it's weird how this rotation has been so like it could be so hot or so cold at points in the season. This is probably the lowest yeah. point in the year with the rotation right now. And like they were due for like a stretch like this because they were so good in the first half. They literally carried the team in the first half of the season. Like there's no arguing that. So. Yeah, and this is what's this is what's so interesting is these next couple of months is that when we we talk earlier about going out and buying veterans, these next couple of months right now are going to be a little bit of a litmus test of that depth that we've been talking about. And you've been talking about the last two years in the organization with these arms and the whole reason yeah. why you bring in a guy like Carter Hawkins in the first place, right? To identify people that can help you out in these small little spots. And I don't think we're asking for much, right? We're we're talking coverage here, Cody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like give us two, three here give us two, three here, kind of move it along and see how we go. And, and um, it's, it's going to be really exciting. I'm so happy to see like Wrigley rocking again. I swear the Cubs will play dry baseball at some point. Cause I don't think they have for the last 100 hours um, yeah. that will happen soon. And obviously uh, I may have a plus 850 Cubs win the NL central ticket in my pocket that I bought over it's a month ago. So better odds than what I got mine. I got, I've made mine at the beginning of the year. They're plus 650. Whenever I, when I bet on them, I also bet them to just make the playoffs at like plus three ten, So like, Ooh. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I did that before the year. Um, so I, I, I decided to not double down, but now I kind of regret not doubling down. So it is to, quote, it is to quote you very big of you, very big of you. Yeah, not to yeah, double down. Credit, <laughs> yeah, credit to me, credit to me. And like, you know, not, you know, if I need to call the, the hotline, I'll call it. But I think that shows some control for my, uh, you know, small gambling addiction <laughs> <laughs> which is honestly it's been having a great month dude 
Let's oh, ride yeah, the wave. Ride the wave while you got it. You're having a good, <laughs> yeah. having a good month. Uh, yeah. Cody Mendo, let's get you out of here, man. Uh, thank you so much for coming up here on Bet on Chicago. Uh, maybe we'll do uh, post nineteen eighty Mount Rushmore Cubs uh, another time. But we, mm. but you know, we're in a, we're in a we're in a race for the playoffs right now, so we're staying right where we need to be. Uh, man, I really appreciate it, dude. And I just got to tell you, like honestly, sincerely, and I want to say this on a microphone. I'd say it off the microphone too, as well. Like uh, the work that you've done with CHGO for the show, man. Uh, it's been so fantastic. The consistency, I know just I'm a part of the community that watches the shows. We greatly appreciate it. And, dude, like you've got one of my like most favorite combinations of people. When you put like knowledge, passion, and a sense of humor together, I mean, dude, that's dude, that's where it's at, man. I'm a big fan yep. of you, dude. Uh, always rooting for you. Thanks so much for coming on uh, the show and hope we do it again. Yeah, Joey, I appreciate it, man. It, it, it means a lot. Uh, for anyone listening, like check out CHGO Cubs. It's it's like a family community that we're trying to build over there, and um, you know, I and we we you listen to other Cubs podcasts, listen to those too. I, I think all the the Cubs podcasts out there are great. Um, there's a lot of great people in the the Cubs content creating community so uh we'll always support people who are doing this type of stuff and uh you know it's a lot of fun being able to talk about your favorite baseball team when they're winning and it's at least fun to be able to uh you know have therapy with everyone whenever they're pissing us off so (laughs) again thanks joey oh no man you're my pleasure man thanks for coming on uh great hair um Nice. Bet on Chicago today was presented by BetOnline.ag. Uh, you can go over there right now on your mobile device and sign up. You'll see you have a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit, but that's only when you use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V. Thanks so much for hopping into this episode. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other. We will be back with more soon. And until then, remember, when in doubt, always bet on Chicago. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.